Amen. Thank you, choir. Alan, Bill. Okay, so the internet is sneaky. Have you noticed this? I I don't know if you've been paying attention or reading about just sort of how the internet functions in our lives and in our world, but I have. I mean, I've read a little bit about it, followed it as it's become more and more a part of our lives. And I say that the internet is sneaky because there's a lot going on behind the scenes when you go online that we don't even realize. Most of what we're seeing, particularly when we use a search engine or go on social media or use one of the many apps on our phone, most of what we see is being cultivated, curated for us, filtered into our view. And in fact, when you're searching for things online, there, there are some very sophisticated algorithms that are working back there that you don't even know about that are taking into account, among other things, everything else you've ever looked at or searched or read about. And what happens is then all of the results that we see have been filtered through these algorithms to present a very specific set of results tailored to us based on what we've demonstrated as our interests or what we prefer or sometimes based on the preferences of the person providing or the company providing the results. And so what has happened is this, the digital aspect of the world that we live in is filtered for us so that what we get is specifically designed for us. Now, this is not necessarily malicious always. I mean, in, in some ways, the goal is to be as maximally helpful for you as possible to, so that your search engine, your computer, your device, whatever the program is, the app, sort of gets to know you and then provides results for you based on what it knows about you, remembers about what you've searched for or read about, to be helpful, to help get you to what you want to find or read or see. So not necessarily always malicious. Sometimes, though, it is used by people who make products or promote them, market them, sell them, uh, to, to be able to get their product in front of you. Because they're looking for who's interested in these kind of things, and then they'll push the results to you or pay to have the results show up in your app or in your news feed or on your search results. I mean, sometimes there, there's some motivation behind it that may be less than just purely in your best interest. Of course, I've heard about people, I don't know if you've ever heard this kind of story before, I've heard about people who are standing around having a conversation about something, Triscuits. And then the next time they open up their computer, and uh, there's an ad that pops up for Triscuits on their computer. I had somebody tell me after the 9 o'clock service, they had dealt with something just like that with one of the uh, home devices, like an Alexa or whatever, that just standing around having a conversation in their home. And, and the next time they opened up their computer and went online, there was an ad for the thing they'd been talking about, which they'd never searched for before. I, some of that starts to feel a little bit creepy. But... But I mean, the fact is, so much of our digital life, our digital world is filtered. And what we get and what we see is shaped, designed, cultivated just for us. And sure, that can be good. It can be helpful. Again, it can help you get to what you're looking for faster. But there's, a, there's another side to that that's potentially harmful. Um, 
I don't know to say dangerous even. But what can happen is then at least in, in our interaction with the digital world, everything gets so curated, so filtered, the things that we see, that we read, that we hear, that come up in search results, that, that show up in our feed can be so curated and filtered that we end up in this kind of bubble where it all matches us. It's just like what we think and what we like and what our preferences are and what we think is right. And before long, we end up in this existence where, at least digitally, I'll say in this example, everything else is excluded or pushed so far down the list or so back in, far back in the background that we don't see or read or hear anything that doesn't fit in with our preferences and what we like and what we think. To the point that we can end up creating, even unintentionally, this echo chamber for ourselves where all we hear is what we would say, echoing back to us. Now, a lot of that's being done behind the scenes on the internet without us even being able to affect that or control that, which is why I said the internet's kind of sneaky. But, but the fact is, even if you're not on the internet a lot, you know, we, we run the risk of doing that ourselves anyway. We're building for ourselves this bubble, this echo chamber, where the voices we hear are like ours, and they say the things we would say, and bring the things that we would get and we can find ourselves living in this sort of filtered place so last week and this week we're spending a couple of weeks on the idea of what it would mean to engage in life in the world unfiltered to to lower some of those filters Last week we read from Paul in the New Testament and his wisdom about what it means to unfilter our output into the world. He gave the example of himself and he said, you know, when I present myself to the world, when I'm engaging with people, talking with people about the faith, I could certainly talk about all that I know and the experiences, the magnificent experiences I've had with God, all that I've done and seen. I could certainly talk about that as a way to talk about God with people. Look at what I have experienced and accomplished and learned. And if anybody could make that argument, it would be Paul. But what Paul said is, that's not how I do it. I point rather to my weakness, the thorn, my struggle, my challenge. Because that's where God has met me. That's where God meets us. That's where I can lift up the majesty, the power, the grace, and strength and love of God. It's in my weakness. So Paul sort of gave us this picture of what it would look like to drop those filters of what we put out into the world. That look at what I know, what I've accomplished, what I've done, how I've experienced life. But rather... Look at my weakness. Look at my struggle. And see where God has met me there. And so this week, we'll 
turn our attention to dropping the filters not on the output but on the input. What does it look like to maybe drop some of those filters and get out of that bubble, out of that echo chamber that either is built around us or that we build ourselves? And so we'll look to the Old Testament wisdom of the Proverbs. I want to read for us Proverbs chapter 27, verses 15 through 17. We're going to put it on the screen so you can follow along as I read aloud. This is what it says. The constant dripping on a rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Anyone who can control her can control the wind or pick up oil in his hand. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens a friend. Believe it or not, this is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Yeah, I feel like those few verses kind of make the point that I was trying to make earlier. Who, who among us might have read that or heard that, particularly that first line or two, and thought, oh, no, 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 that, that, we don't need to be talking about that. Wisdom would tell you, leave that alone. <laughs> don't go there. Or that was written in a time long past, and things are different now, and so that's not really for us. Or you're not really bright to stand up there and talk about contentious woman. Right? I mean, so it's like even, even in that, we, the, these filters that we put on what we take in might cause us to not be willing to give that scripture its due. But, but there's something in there for us about a life of faith. And just these few lines of the Proverbs. So let's give it its due. Like, for instance, when it makes reference to a contentious woman, can, can we say and acknowledge that at the time this was written, the social places and roles of men and women were very different than they are now, first of all? Second of all, that word for woman, which in other translations says wife, is the same word that's used in the Genesis creation account to talk about the partner that was created for the first human being, that, that what we might find being described here is not just a contentious woman, because I know a few very contentious men, um, but rather what's being talked about in here is the relationship with someone who is contentious. That having a relationship with someone who is contentious is downright hard when that's their way of living and behaving and engaging or when that's the way that I live or behave in a contentious manner trying to have a relationship with me is hard and describe that the author says like dripping water on a rainy day so I, I couldn't have planned this, that when we walked in this morning, there was a post-it note on the pew that says, small drips of rain, which I guess is a, a warning for whoever might sit here, 
heads up, I think it was right there at 9 o'clock, I'm <laughs> just telling you. Um, But you get that image of when it's raining. And granted, I mean, when construction back then wasn't like it is today, the waterproofing and such. So, you know, in their homes and places where they were inside, when it rained a lot, there was water that would drip through. Has anybody ever experienced that before? A a leak, a, a drip, whether it's a leaky pipe or faucet or roof or whatever it might be, the... And then when it rains or when the water's flowing or whatever, you just get that constant drip, 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 drip. You can't seem to do anything to stop it. Drip, drip, drip. It'd drive you crazy. <laughs> drip, drip, drip. Not only is it annoying, but then to try to deal with it, to try to rectify it and improve it can also be just as hard. I imagine whoever's going to get to deal with that uh, is going to be none too happy about the challenge that that presents. You see the writer of the Proverbs painting this picture about dealing with a contentious person, trying to have a relationship with a contentious person, like water dripping. Drip, drip, drip. Like trying to control the wind or hold oil in your hands without losing any of it. I mean, you get, you get the image of what it's like to try to deal with somebody who's contentious. And actually, I mean, to be contentious in that sense, particularly the time that it was written, there, there, was, a, there was an aspect of that that was valuable in society. I mean, because the term there for being contentious is, is the same kind of term for what one might do when presenting a case or being involved in a case in a courtroom. I mean, contending a case in a courtroom is, is really the, what the author is talking about, not unlike the way that a lawyer might go about it. So no offense to all the attorneys in the room. But, but this way of being contentious, of contending, of making your case, making your argument, whatever they might have to say, you've got a rebuttal. You've got evidence that you're going to present that is going to be more compelling than theirs. You are going to make your case. You are going to win, prove your point, convince the judge, the jury, whoever needs to be convinced that you're right. Being contentious. Maybe at times has its place in a courtroom, you know, in a specific setting with specific parameters. But nobody wants that at home. <laughs> I mean, just because you're an attorney by trade doesn't mean you need to be going at home and acting like that or going to the church and acting like that with people. I mean, I, I'm a pastor, but every conversation I have in my house doesn't have to be a Bible study, you know. And... And so what the writer of the Proverbs is saying is that that way of interacting, of dealing and treating people is really hard to relate to, to get along with, to live with. Rather than the writer lifts up this other image of iron sharpening iron. As iron sharpens iron, so a person does for a friend. So one does for another. 
I mean, I don't know if you've ever sharpened anything. I've had very minimal experience doing that. I have sharpened knife in my kitchen before cutting a turkey or something like that. You know, you get the knife and then you got the, um, the stick that, <laughs> that's made of metal also <laughs> that you rub the knife on, right? You know, I had someone help me at 9 o'clock. They told me the technical term for that is knife sharpener. So I got that. That was good. But I mean, you know, just that, have you ever done that or seen somebody sharpen a blade, sharpen a knife? Um, that's kind of what we're getting at here with this iron sharpening iron. But if you've ever seen it done or, or on a wheel, you know how they'll sharpen a blade uh, on a wheel. Ah, I just picture like the sparks that fly, the friction. You know, there's, there's a certain abrasive character to that kind of motion of iron sharpening iron. It's something that we do for each other, the proverb says. It's lifted up for us as something that we need in our lives. We need to be sharpened by each other. We need that, that friction, that, that abrasive motion that, that on a knife sort of gets away the rough places, cleans the edge, hones and sharpens the blade. But not unlike Crystal said with that pencil, it can, can be a little bit painful. Maybe not, doesn't feel the best. But we need that. When it comes to the, the world that we live in, that we curate or cultivate for ourselves, the digital world that we, leave, what we live in, I mean, the writer of the Proverbs is saying, we need some of those filters to drop. We need that from each other. That exposure to other people's experiences and perspectives. We need to feel that in our own lives. What we don't need is we don't need the contentiousness What I think is the beauty of this proverb when presented to us together. The issue is not when we see things differently, we have different perspectives or we come from different places, different experiences, different backgrounds, when we understand things maybe differently than one another. The issue is how we then engage in that with each other. If we're doing it contentiously, if we're doing it argumentatively, if we're doing it mean-spiritedly, if we're doing it to win or to conquer... Good luck living with that. But if we're doing it in the spirit of acknowledging that we can both, we can all be honed and sharpened by the presence of God and of God's spirit in all of us, then we're doing a favor for a friend and a friend is doing a favor for us as we are sharpened. And we need it, and I don't know that we don't need it now more than ever. To be able to have the kind of conversations and relationships where we can do that for one another. And do it in a spirit of love and charity. Giving one another the benefit of the doubt. Not expecting the worst or assuming the worst about each other. 
I've had conversations with folks of generations before mine, and I've heard comments made in, in one sense or another, like people today don't know how to have difficult conversations. We've just stopped talking to each other. We, we don't know how to deal with the challenging things. We don't know how to let the iron sharpen the iron. And I did at one point say to somebody, well, I can tell you what, the, my generation and maybe the one before me, we were raised, you don't talk about things. If it's difficult, if it's hard, if it hurts, you don't talk about it. So guess what? You raise a couple of generations with the, with the notion that you just don't talk about things. Well, then you're going to get some generations that don't know how to talk about things. What we need desperately is the ability for iron to sharpen iron. The opportunity for us to be sharpened by the Spirit of God with one another. In the context of these relationships that are loving and charitable and grace-filled, centered on Christ. I'm reading a book, or just finished it in my doctoral studies, called The Coddling of the American Mind. It's an interesting title for a book, and the book fits it. Um, it's not a religious book. It's just more sociological, psychological, and, and the authors are writing about sort of where we are as a culture here in America, particularly when it comes to being able to deal with these difficult topics. And in one of the chapters, they name uh, what they call some cognitive distortions that they feel like they observe in lots of places and lots of ways in our culture. Things like catastrophizing. So, you know, everything's a catastrophe. If, if something goes wrong or something's bad or we don't agree, the world's going to end. Overgeneralizing, blaming, labeling, dichotomous thinking. It's either this or that, and there's no other options. Or negative filtering, that everything we take in, we view in a negative light. Here's the problem with it, here's what's wrong with it, here's why it shouldn't be that way, here's what needs to be fixed. And these, to me, are just all descriptions of this contentious way of living that we can fall victim to, that we can become party to. And yet the writer of the Proverbs says there's a way for us to relate together, to live together so that our iron is sharpening and being sharpened by one another. I said being charitable, loving. I was having a conversation with Will Goodwin, our youth minister, about it this week, and we were talking about how in any interaction, there's something that can be gained. And he said for him, one of the ways that he's found helpful to do that is that he uh, approaches every situation as a learner. That there's always something for me to learn in any interaction, conversation, experience. And if we can come to one another, if we can come to the, our relationships, if we can come to our church with that spirit of our iron being sharpened and being able to sharpen one another, then the proverb says we're doing something for each other, for our friends, we're, we're helping, we're benefiting each other. 
Not to sharpen the iron in such a way that like you would think of perhaps particularly in that day that you would be sharpening a knife or a spear tip or an arrow so that we then might be a better weapon, so that we then might be better capable to compete or defeat or win or prove a point, but rather so that we might be sharpened, honed, so that, well, one of the ways that it says it in the scriptures is that we sharpen the countenance of a friend. We sharpen how we are presented into the world and to one another so that we might be sharpened, honed, purified, clear about who our God is and who we are in Christ so that we could sharpen one another. So maybe we can be that community, those people who are willing to drop some of those filters, get intentional about getting out of that echo chamber and expose ourselves to one another and let our iron sharpen each other's iron in ways that we wouldn't have or haven't before. I, and maybe it's just as simple as if you get all your news from one place, How about try another one? Just add one to the mix. See what happens. Or if you find yourself spending all of your time having all of your conversations of any depth or meaning with a particular set of people, a group of people, your your Sunday school class or folks in your neighborhood or your family, maybe add another voice or two, another relationship that doesn't look just like those, sound just like those, sound and look just like you. Just see how God might sharpen you and sharpen me and sharpen us so that we could be a purer, clearer presentation of the grace-filled kingdom of God in our world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to say, if you're looking for a community of faith where you can be a part of that with other folks, I want to invite you to consider Shambly. I think this is going to be a great place, especially this year, for us to drop some of those filters of what we put out, what we take in, and be who God created us to be together. If you'd like to know more about the church, I want to invite you to stop at one of the desks when you go out the exits or come find me or Pastor Stacy. We'll be happy to answer any questions we can for you. There's a lot of ways you can get involved in the life of the church that are listed in the bulletin or on our website or go out in the email. I hope you'll take advantage of them as you have opportunity. And as we sing our closing hymn, would you be willing just to take a minute with God as you sing the words of the hymn? Consider where God might be inviting you to drop a filter and have your iron sharpened. All right, will you stand and we'll sing hymn number 4.